recall what these women did a couple weeks ago, a mission trip and equipping and empowering people in their God-given gifts to advance the kingdom of Christ, we call our mission statement. And I certainly would uh, echo these ladies in inviting you to be a part of one of these mission trips. But is there a way that we could be on mission and not have to go on a trip? I mean, I want to encourage you to go, but is there a way we could be on mission and not necessarily go to Guatemala? Is there a way that our lives could be lived intentionally with a kingdom purpose no matter where we are? Well, of course there is. Now, when we think of our mission statement of advancing the kingdom of Christ, what we're talking about is a realm of God's rule, of God's sovereign rule, a a place that God's sovereign power is exercised. So when our four ladies from CCC went to Guatemala, they were seeking to operate by God's power to exert God's rule, not only in their own lives, but to extend it to others. Completely consistent with what our mission statement is. And by the way, how do we do this? Well, we do this primarily through love, through service, and through the gospel. Now, I want you to listen to how the Bible speaks of allegiance to the kingdom. I am struck by these statements, by the allegiance, the priority, the the urgency given to the kingdom of God and how it speaks into our daily lives. And the reason for that is because I think it interrupts our earthly pursuits because there's a conflict of of earthly pursuits and the kingdom of God. And, 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 And it conflicts with God's kingdom. The kingdom of God is always directing us to for something more, something eternal, something greater than ourselves. So I want you to listen to these admonitions and ask yourself, does this typify the life that I'm living? First it says in Matthew 6.33, and by the way, Matthew is largely a gospel of the kingdom of God. It says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God in his righteousness, and all of these things are going to be added unto you. Well, Jesus is talking about this in the context of the disciples really getting worried about whether, you know, they're going to do all this stuff over here. Is God going to attend to their needs? Is God going to address, you know, the money, the clothing, the food, the earthly pursuits? I mean, we all have earthly pursuits, and these things we worry about, do we not? That's our daily lives. Verse 27, Jesus adds this, And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life. So has all of the control we've tried to have over our lives, all the efforts, all the worry, has that been able to eliminate disappointment from our lives? None of it. We still experience disappointment. Now, I don't think that Jesus is saying, hey, you know, you shouldn't have stuff. You you shouldn't go on vacations. You shouldn't have a car. You shouldn't have a home or a TV but rather that all of these things still fall under the realm of God. All of our material possessions, our jobs, 
Every financial decision or transaction, that's also under God's realm. So we're to filter all of life through the purpose of the kingdom. That is our mission on earth. I mean, we don't have a, a part of our lives that we overhear, you know, which we operate with our own passions, our own desires, our own pleasures, our own agenda, our own ethics, and then we come over here and we're, we're going to give a little peace for God. All of it is in the kingdom. And we're to filter all of it through that aspect to fulfill the purposes that God has given us. So, when we live in light of an earthly kingdom and we have our own agenda, what, what happens? Well, when we are in line with the worldly system, we feel like typically like we have to have control. We have to manage our circumstances, manage our relationships so that our needs get attended to, Right? And this happens in the home, this happens on the job, you know, it happens in marriage, it happens with our money. And then disappointment arrives, and what happens? We scratch, we claw, we protest that our needs were not attended to. But when we live in light of the kingdom of God, all of these disappointments... All of these expectations that are not met, they still fall under God working out his purpose in our lives. And these frustrations are seen as objects of of God doing his work. They're not vehicles to deliver our happiness, but they're opportunities where we live in the kingdom of God and understand the realm of God in in our lives. What you'll find when you live this way, you're much more thoughtful, much more prayerful. Uh, You show more consideration, more conscious of how decisions are made, how circumstances impact your life. Just put it on a practical level. You know, for years now, Janet and I have been talking about moving, talking about getting another house, all right? And and God has simply not released us to do that yet um, because of other concerns we've had. Now, we could have done this in the past, and we still may do this in the future, but the point is, is that when you consider any decision, or even one like this, when you consider the kingdom and his righteousness, you think differently about even simple things like that. You realize that when it comes to material possessions, our flesh moves us in a direction of, okay, let's get more, let's get bigger, let's get better. And and it's not that even any of those are wrong in and of themselves, except that if that is what's driving us, if that is our heart's goal, I would suggest that is a worldly system that we're buying into. So, I constantly have to check my heart. Now, this can also be bondage, I have to admit to you, because, you know, you, you see it, whether it's a nice house, nice car, or even, you know, clothes or whatever, you're thinking, you're just feeling guilty about having anything nice. And it's not that at all. It's just you're filtering it first through the kingdom. Okay, Lord, are you giving us freedom to, to do this, right? 
And then I also have to take into account, you know, the debt, uh, the freedom to participate in kingdom giving, right? So will this decision help us or will it hinder us in participating in the kingdom? And what I'm trying to do is just show you how intensely practical it really is to think in terms of, of kingdom living. So seek first. Have the priority of the kingdom of God. Luke 4, 43 says this, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. Talking about the good news, living out the kingdom, I was sent for this purpose. Hmm. So really, as believers in Jesus Christ, we don't have to sit there and ponder What is my purpose? We know what our purpose is. You know, the existentialists of the last century, you know, they made a big deal about finding your own purpose. You are the master of your own fate. You know, your, your purpose is something subjective. It's just for you. You have to go discover that. And everybody's purpose is different, but there certainly is no, you know, universal or ultimate purpose for life that people have to find because it's something that just each individual has to find for themselves. You know what? They were wrong. God has a kingdom where his rule is manifested through the obedience, through the love, and service of his children. Now, not all preach like in Luke 4, 43, but all can participate and all can contribute with their time, treasure, and talent. So what we have to do, we have to get our towel and basin just like Jesus did in that last supper. We have to bend a knee and we say, I'm going I'm to meet needs. I'm going to serve. See, in the kingdom of God, the first shall be last. You're, you're vying to get top billing. Well, you're going to be put last in line. Our lives are not our own. You might think, well, wait a minute. To what extent are we to go with this? Because, you know, I've got a lot of things to think about. I've got a lot of responsibilities. Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Um, Luke 9, 60 through 62 says this. So, see, this is just a conversation I'm having with myself. I'm, all right, so bear with me here. Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But add, Now, this is Jesus talking. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And so Jesus reminds us that, you know, a farmer puts his hand to the plow and he has to pay attention to, as to what he's doing. He can't look back. Why? Because he's going to make a mess of the crop roll, right? And likewise, Christ demands that we not be distracted by other obligations. So is he calling us to be cold and callous to, to you know, family obligations? No, of course not. But he's calling us to have our attention fixed upon him. And listen, if a mother, if a father, if a brother, if a sister, if a friend, whether intentionally or unintentionally, distracts us from following him, we have to put our attention back on Christ. And there is much to distract us. So it's really, it's really talking about 
priority. It's talking about realm of living. It's talking about who is calling the shots. But there's much to distract us, isn't there? I mean, I think, I think hurts, pain, uh, prior issues from the past can really distract us. You know why? Because it causes us to nurse our pain. We take our hand off the plow and we nurse our wounds. That can be a huge distraction. And I'm not talking about there isn't a need for healing. Of course there is. But I'm talking about you have, you have basically decided you're not going to be in the game anymore because of what took place in the past. And the battlefield is strewn with believers like that. Worldly attractions, okay, can be a distraction. And we fail to commit ourselves to giving up just pursuing pleasure and goods. Again, it's not... Jesus is not saying it's wrong to have pleasure, it's wrong to have goods. It's just that that's not to be the driving force in your life, right? You know what else can be a distraction? Church activities. They really can. Church activities can be a distraction because we're replacing service for Christ with just showing up in the building, and sometimes we do that just to make an impression. That's a distraction. So, working in the kingdom, following Christ, demands we assess that commitment. We're we're willing to follow through it. It supersedes all other obligations. And what that does, that makes it urgent for us now. Because there's really no excuse good enough to keep us from participating in the kingdom and, and bowing a knee for service. So, it, it demands our utmost attentiveness. Now, Christ gave us voluminous instruction regarding the kingdom. And I want to just throw out, just for your own edumacation, consider what it would be like if as a family you got together and you read through some of these passages that I'm about to read, and you asked, you know, the kids around the table, what do you think it would look like to live by the kingdom of God in light of this passage? What do you think this would mean for us as a family? I mean, Jesus compared the kingdom with a lot of different real-life situations, and I think he did that to show us how practical and prevalent his kingdom rule is in our lives. Consider this. These are all out of the book of Matthew. It's called the kingdom gospel because it focuses on this theme. Matthew 13, 24. He uh, put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. 1331, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. 1333, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Uh, 1344, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and cover up. Then in his joy, he, get, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. 1345, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. 1347, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea 
and gathered fish of every kind. See, each of these have a different emphasis, different meaning. Uh, Matthew 18, 23, kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. 20, verse 1, the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning and hired labors for his vineyard. Matthew 22, 2, kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son, or it's like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom in 25, 1. Each of these scenarios, just robust meaning of operating in his realm in our lives. Now, so some of these themes that run through these stories include, for instance, lessons that there's not going to be equal fruit or equal reward in the kingdom. You know why? Because there's going to be some that are more faithful than others. Some that really went all out in living under that kingdom realm and others that went, eh, you know, sometimes. So there's going to be not equal fruit because of that. Uh, The other thing is that God's kingdom includes many people that are deemed not fit by the religious crowd, but God is offering them to be enveloped in his kingdom and to enjoy his kingdom. uh, We see also in these stories that God has, uh, this kingdom has pervading influence in our lives. We also see that uh, when, when we're receptive to God, that we'll operate with an attachment to the kingdom and not to material things. Also, people who operate under God's realm, they're going to exhibit great grace and forgiveness when they realize they are in God's realm. And those who are not, who are operating under the worldly system, what they do is they operate with extraordinary condemnation, criticism, judgment. God exhibits extraordinary love and grace in his kingdom, and it's to set the pace for everybody else who participates in the kingdom. And lastly, there's a life of urgency in the kingdom. You know why? Because the bridegroom someday is going to come for his bride, and we don't know when that's going to be. Let's make sure that we're found ready. All of those themes ran through those passages and much more. So we acknowledge, when you think about that, doesn't that conflict with the worldly system? Doesn't that conflict with the material world that we're a part of, that we experience here on earth? There's a conflict going on of kingdoms. So it is with the kingdom of God that it conflicts with what we experience on earth. This worldly system that we're in, it glorifies self. And God calls us to die to self, that our life is not our own. Uh, To find our purpose through service. I mean, put that on your church marquee and see how many people come. Your life is not your own. Die to self. Boy, that sells well, doesn't it? But that's kingdom living. We saw those early Christians in the book of Acts. 
And we see, we've been through now five chapters, and we see the heat being turned up, and we see these apostles and early believers willingly putting their lives on the line for the sake of the kingdom. And so what we're being invited to is that kind of service, a willingness to have each day, each relationship, every minute, every gift, every possession under the realm of God. That's for his purposes. I lay all agendas aside. I am here for his use. My life is not my own. And you know what happens when you do that? Well, you discover your purpose for life. It doesn't mean that, you know, that I've got a long face now and I can never experience joy. It's quite the opposite. Because you know what I find? No matter what belief system you have, life is going to throw you curveballs and there's going to be disappointments, right? So the question is, do you have a perspective that will help you endure in that? Do you have a context to be able to work within that will, will help you to understand that and experience joy in the midst of that? So when we live in light of the kingdom of God, we realize our life is not our own. And then we can say with the prophet of old, here am I, send me. Whatever that means. See, I can say that in the morning. Here am I, send me. I, I may not go to Guatemala tomorrow, but I'm out to live a day as under the Lord. Here am I, send me. Wherever. Whenever, whatever, whatever the cost, we're on mission. Equipping and empowering people and their God-given gifts to advance the kingdom of Christ. Let's pray.